This is not a game. Sin is not a game. And God is no fool. We need to take God seriously. If you are a person that considers themselves a believer or follower of Jesus Christ, fear the Lord and take care of your salvation. Your life here and now, and even more importantly, your eternal destination depends on it. Hello and welcome to another message from the Latter Rain Ministries, where we're dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. Today we'll be seeing that true repentance touches God's heart. The world is spiraling out of control, no matter how hard we work or how much money we may have. Many people are not making much sense anymore. Human reason is not what it used to be. And all of this is not an accident. We are experiencing God's judgment. And if we want to see better days, we must repent and convert from our sins as a group united. We need today more than ever to touch God's heart. And that can only happen if we seek after Him by turning away from our wrong and evil ways. Today's message is inspired on Jonah chapter 3. Let us pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, I praise you, I worship you, I exalt you, O Lord. For you are the Almighty, the King of the universe, the one that was, that is, and that is to come. Hallowed and glorified be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is done in heaven, O Lord. Blessing be to you, O God, forever and ever. I pray in the name of Jesus humbly that you please forgive my sins. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you please, God, always look upon us with your mercy and with your grace. Heavenly Father, please have mercy on us. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you help us to understand that we are the ones that always need to change, that we need to repent, to turn away from our wrongs, from our sins, Lord God, that we need to have soft hearts before you. I pray, O Lord God, Heavenly Father, for the conviction of your Holy Spirit upon our lives. Help us, O Lord, to seek you as you deserve and need to be seeked. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Today's key passage is in the book of Jonah, chapter 3. This is the word of the Lord. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three-day journey in extent. And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. Then he cried out and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people in Nineveh believed God, proclaimed a fast, and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. Then word came to the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne and laid aside his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast Herd nor flock taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink water. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily to God. Yes, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who can tell if God will turn and relent and turn away from his fierce anger so that we may not perish? Then God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way. And God relented from the disaster that he said he would bring upon them, 
and he did not do it. If there is one thing that touches the heart of God, it is true and genuine repentance. No matter how many or how much people say that salvation is only by grace and not by works, which is very true from a certain perspective, but from another perspective, the work of repentance, because it's an action, does touch God's heart. As a matter of fact, the act of repentance and conversion is a requirement for salvation. It is not just faith or belief alone. And if a person does not repent and convert from all of their sins with all of their heart genuinely, there can be no salvation. The word of God is very clear in this. No matter how much faith a person proclaims to have in the Lord, if there is no complete turning away from sin, faith cannot save them. Repentance and conversion is a prerequisite, if you will, before asking to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. The first thing regarding this we must keep in mind is that repentance and conversion prepares the way for the Lord, meaning that repentance and conversion are what make a heart to be ready for the Holy Spirit to enter a person. That was the whole purpose of John the Baptist's ministry, to prepare the way for the Lord. In Matthew chapter 3, it says this, In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And the Lord Jesus Christ himself said this when he started his public ministry, as we read in the Gospel of Mark. The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And in 1 John chapter 1, it says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So you see, repentance and conversion are requirements. These are things that are necessary, vital, and essential to begin and maintain a relationship with the Lord. There is no other way possible. In John chapter 8, we see the story of Jesus and the adulterous woman as one example of repentance, of turning away from sin. This is what it says. Now early in the morning, he came again into the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? This they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest even to the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. 
So we can see that the Lord gave grace to this woman. He didn't condemn her, even though he could have because he was free from sin. But the Lord explicitly did tell her to go and sin no more. What does that mean? Stop doing what is wrong. Turn from your evil ways. Leave your adultery behind. You see, grace can be extended to all of us, but with the understanding that we turn away from our sins, not to keep committing them over and over and over. In Daniel chapter four, we read the story of King Nebuchadnezzar and how he finally came to have his own personal relationship with God through repentance. He had seen God work previously in his life and kingdom, but had not yet come to that personal encounter. Something quite personal needed to happen so he could be fully convinced of who God was and is. In this chapter, we are told that the king had a very significant dream that he needed interpretation. This is what it says. This is the interpretation, O king, and this is the decree of the Most High, which has come upon my Lord, the king. They shall drive you from men. Your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and they shall make you eat grass like oxen. They shall wet you with the dew of heaven, and seven times shall pass over you, so you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men, and it gives to whomever he chooses. And inasmuch as they gave the command to leave the stump and the roots of the tree, your kingdom shall be assured to you after you come to know that heaven rules. Therefore, O king, let my advice be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by being righteous and your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor. Perhaps there may be a lengthening of your prosperity. All this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of the 12 months, he was walking about the royal palace of Babylon. The king spoke saying, is not this great Babylon that I have built for a royal dwelling by my mighty power and for the honor of my majesty? <clears throat> While the word was still in the king's mouth, a voice fell from heaven, King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken, the kingdom has departed from you, and they shall drive you from men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. They shall make you eat grass like oxen, and seven times shall pass over you, until you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever he chooses. That very hour, the word was fulfilled concerning Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from men and ate grass like oxen. His body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hair had grown like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird's claws. And at the end of the time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven and my understanding returned to me. And I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion and his kingdom is from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He does according to his will in the army of heaven. And among the inhabitants of the earth, no one can restrain his hand or say to him, what have you done? At the same time, my reason returned to me and for the glory of my kingdom, my honor and splendor returned to me. My counselors and nobles resorted to me. I was restored to my kingdom and excellent majesty was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, Praise and extol and honor the King of heaven, all of whose works are truth and his ways justice. 
and those who walk in pride, he is able to put down. And so what did King Nebuchadnezzar turn away from? The sin of pride. He let it go. He humbled himself before the Almighty when he lifted his eyes to heaven. He repented and converted from his ways with all of his heart. He had seen God work before. He knew who God was. But now through this humbling experience, he came to the full realization that God is God and that he is the one that gives to whom he pleases and takes away according to his will. The Lord God Almighty is God. Now some might ask, why is it so necessary to repent and convert from our sins? If it hasn't become apparent yet, the most important thing to keep in mind is that if you want to be close to God, we need to do away with sin in our lives. We can come as we are to the Lord, but acknowledging and turning away from our sins and wrongs, we can't come to him without a repentant heart. We can't come to a holy God on our terms, which is what most people want to do. We must come to God, to the Lord, on his terms. And his terms consist of acknowledging, confessing, and turning away from all of our sins. And we are not the ones that determine what sin is. Society is not what determines what sin is. We need to acknowledge what God denominates as sin. And so this reflects the need for repentance from a divine point of view. When it comes to dealing with a holy God, with an almighty God, we must come correctly before him, especially if we are trying to find favor before him. Now, the practical reason for why we need to turn away from sin is because sin has its own dire consequences. The natural consequence of sin on its own is death, no matter how much, how little, or how insignificant it seems. For it is written, for the wages of sin is death. And so sin cannot be taken lightly. It must be dealt with in our lives before God conclusively, especially if a person desires to have a relationship with the Lord, because in the end, we will reap what we sow. In Galatians chapter six, it says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. This is why God continues calling out for man to repent, to turn away from their sins, to let go of their foolish pride. Quit while you're ahead, while there is still time. In Ezekiel chapter 33, it says, Say to them, as I live, says the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways, for why should you die? So if you want a new start, a new beginning, ultimately, if you want to receive forgiveness from the Lord for eternal life, repent and convert from all of your sins, not just from some of them and not just for a while. The word of God says this also, repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. And so if you have never made a decision for the Lord, to have him come into your life, into your heart, I urge you today to do so by asking him for his forgiveness, by repenting and converting from all of your sins and by asking him to come into your heart and to be the Lord of your life so you can belong to him and he can lead you. 
And if you are someone that has already started that relationship with the Lord, but you find yourself entangled with sin yet again, turn away from your sin. Ask God to help you to get rid of it. But remember, it's not going to be something magical. You need to decide. You need to take definitive steps to do away with sin in your life. This is what the Lord said as we read in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 9. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter into the life maimed rather than having two hands to go to hell, into the fire that shall never be quenched, where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame rather than having two feet to be cast into hell, into the fire that shall never be quenched, where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hellfire, where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. The point the Lord is making here is that a person needs to take affirmative, definitive, and decisive steps to get rid of those things in their life that interfere with their spiritual well-being. It can't be, God, if you don't want for me to be in this sinful relationship with this person, take this person away from me. If you're in a relationship that is causing you to sin against God, you end it. Take responsibility, make a decision, and move on. Or what? Do you think Satan is going to stop tempting you? Do you think Satan is going to take away those things that make you fall and sin against God? It's your choice, your decision. If you are a believer and choose to form intimacy with people that do not want to believe or follow Christ, you are choosing to be friends with the world. And this is what God has to say about that. In James chapter four, it says, adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. And be careful. The world is also in church. Just because a person says they believe in God does not mean that it's okay to have a relationship with them. There are many so-called believers that say that believe in God, but live like the world and support the world's views and standards. You may not think so, but keeping a relationship with the rebellious person will bring you down, guaranteed. So end it. I don't think it makes sense to have God as your enemy, right? And how about those of you who may have a problem with alcohol or drug use? And drug problems are not just related to illegal drugs. You should stop. Just stop. Obviously, ask God to give you the help you need, but you need to make that decision. Get help if you can't handle it on your own, but you need to break the habit. Through the Lord Jesus Christ and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, you have all of the power of the heavens within your reach to conquer anything in your life that can interfere with your salvation. Just as it is written, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Don't use this verse to accomplish selfish and vain goals and objectives. Use it for what it is really meant for, to know through and through that when you are in Christ, you can do all things through him, through his power, through his presence. You see, we always have free will, especially as followers of Jesus Christ. If a believer wallows in sin, 
It's because they want to. Nothing more, nothing less. And at the very minimum, the practice of sin needs to stop in the life of a believer. For it is also written, Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, drunkenness, murderers, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. If we want to lead transformed and change lives, sin cannot have dominion over us. We cannot let sin have its way with us. These are things at minimum that must be removed from our lives so that we do not have issues with inheriting the kingdom of God when the time comes. Salvation is free and we cannot gain it through works, through our works, but that doesn't mean that we do not need to do certain things once Christ is in our lives. We cannot allow for sin to run freely in our lives. It is not as simple and carefree as many make salvation to be. It is something that must be cared for, treasured and revered. As the Apostle Paul said, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. God is not going to reward those that choose to use their freedom in Christ to fall and wallow in sin time and time again. Those that choose to serve self and pleasure rather than the almighty God who gave his only begotten son so that their sins could be forgiven. For it is also written in the book of Hebrews, for if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fire indignation, which will devour the adversaries. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Of how much worse punishment do you suppose will he be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing and insulted the spirit of grace? For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. This is not a game. Sin is not a game. And God is no fool. We need to take God seriously. If you're a person that considers themselves a believer or follower of Jesus Christ, fear the Lord and take care of your salvation. Your life here and now, and even more importantly, your eternal destination depends on it. I'm very sure that many might ask, why are there so many messages involving repentance and conversion? And the answer is that the Holy Spirit leads in that manner to preach messages that involve repentance and conversion over and over again until people start paying attention. The truth is that the majority of people do not want to change their lifestyles for the Lord. Everyone wants to go to heaven and for God to bless them and to answer their prayers, but hardly anyone wants to turn away from the sin that is still in their lives. 
Hardly anyone wants to make tough and unpleasant decisions when needed. And the continued truth in the matter is that the message of repentance and conversion keeps playing over and over because without true repentance and conversion, there can be no salvation. There can be no transformation. There can be no eternal life. Does that imply that we need to be perfect? No. But what the Word of God tells us everywhere is that we cannot be complacent with sin. We cannot let it run our lives. We cannot let it have dominion over us. Even after a person has come to have faith in Christ, if they keep sinning over and over, if there is no change in life, then there is no new life in them. The old ways need to stop. They need to change. That's a major part of the work of the Holy Spirit in a believer's life, to bring conviction of sin, something that goes beyond what our conscience can dictate, so that there is not only the initial transformation, but the continual change over time, shedding those things that still remain within us. If we don't shed sin, we will be useless to God. We will not be sensitive to His will, and we will be led astray by our own sin, thereby not fulfilling his purpose in our lives. We always need to remember that we are saved, but for a purpose. We are not saved so we can do our will. I'm going to have to say this again. We are not saved so we can do our will. We are saved through the Lord Jesus Christ to do the Father's will. But if we let our sin get in the way of that, then how can we ever do the Father's will? And doing the Father's will is the only way we will be allowed into God's kingdom. As it is repeated time and time again, as it is written, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. The whole point of salvation is to become not just believers in Christ, but followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. But if we don't die to our sins, how can we ever be followers of Jesus Christ? There is too much compromise with sin in the lives of many believers today. Much of the Church of Christ has adopted the world's ways and the world's views. And many believers put up excuse after excuse to justify their sin rather than to turn away from it. Your eternal destination cannot be taken lightly. Not everything is set once you make a decision for Christ. You have to walk the path. You have to live out that faith. As Paul said, you have to fight the good fight. It's not easy, but no one said this would be easy. But it is well worth it. Stop justifying your sin. Turn away from sin once and for all. Don't let the world have their way with you. Live God's way so that you can, in fact, get to the end. Run the race legitimately. The worst thing that could happen is that when you stand judgment before Almighty God, because we will all give an account someday, that you are found not worthy to enter his kingdom. There will be many horrifying surprises that day when many people will realize that their opinions don't have an impact on what happens after this world is gone. Many will come to the realization that they had it all wrong and it will be too late. Once before God's throne, there is no turning back. There are no additional chances at that point. It's a final decision by Almighty God Himself. So don't allow yourself to be fooled by easy gospels and laid back teachings and that God is love, so don't worry about anything. 
And least of all, don't let yourself be deceived by what the world sets as a standard. God is love, but he is also holy and consuming fire. And his love does not cancel out his holiness. We are called to be holy as he is holy. So for your own good, allow yourself to be guided by his word, by his Holy Spirit, and not by your own opinions, desires, or anything else outside of him. Let us do as the word tells us to do. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. For the joy that it was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Holy God, help us, O Lord, to understand what sin is. And help us, O oh Lord, to not justify it and not to go along with it. And least of all, Lord God, to condone it. Heavenly Father, help us, O oh God, to understand that sin is death. Heavenly Father, help us to understand that we cannot take it lightly. And that, Lord, that we need you. We need your mercy. We need your grace. Heavenly Father, we need your help now more than ever, Lord God. Heavenly Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, O oh Lord, that through this message, Heavenly Father, that you may bring a consciousness to people, that anybody that's listening to this right now may understand that they need to turn away from sin, from all of their sins, to stop justifying it, to stop making it sound right, to not go the world's way. I pray, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, that they un must understand, Lord God, that we cannot take sin lightly. And especially if we've been given such a great salvation through Jesus Christ, such a great opportunity, that we cannot just throw it away for stupidity. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray, O oh God, that they may have your fear in their hearts, your respect, O oh Lord, that they may take you seriously that they may take what happened on the cross seriously and that they might let go the things that they need to let go so that they can, in fact, attain the eternal life that you want us to have. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Please join us again next time as we look into God's Word together. And if you have any questions or just need some prayer, please email us through our website. If you want to listen to other messages, you can go to our website or look for our podcast in the Apple iTunes store under The Latter Rain Ministries to subscribe. The Latter Rain Ministries is a self-supporting Christian ministry dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. The Lord is near. May God bless you.